you can listen to The Front on your smart speaker every morning. To hear the latest episode, just say, play the news from The Australian. From The Australian, here's what's on The Front. I'm Claire Harvey. It's Wednesday, July 19. They like to call themselves the Friendly Games, but organisers of the Commonwealth Games are furious with Victoria after Premier Dan Andrews cancelled the 2026 event. It was supposed to be staged in a series of regional towns. Organisers say Andrews is grossly exaggerating a cost blowout and that he ignored their advice to hold the Games in Melbourne to save money. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Australians will be guaranteed a taxpayer-subsidised place in university under sweeping new reforms. Education Minister Jason Clare says unis will have to lift enrolments from students from poor families. And he'll scrap a coalition policy which kicked students out of the HEX loan scheme if they were failing more than 50% of their classes. Is the voice to parliament a big chance for practical improvement or a scary door into the unknown? The competing yes and no camps in the upcoming referendum have written official pamphlets released by the Australian Electoral Commission in which they set out their cases. In a moment, we'll tell you what each side is saying and what they really mean. We all want to help Indigenous Australians in disadvantaged communities. However, this voice is not the answer and presents a real risk to our system of government. The voice is about advice. When governments listen to people about issues that affect them, they make better decisions, get better results and deliver better value for money. What you just heard is a conversation that's been playing out at backyard barbecues, cafes and pubs around the country for the better part of a year. It's also one happening in the political sphere. But no details have been provided on how members of The Voice would be chosen or how it would operate. Australians are being asked to vote first before these details are worked out. We should vote yes for a better future for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and all Australians. If you don't know, vote no. The lines read by our actors have been lifted from the official pamphlets for and against an Indigenous voice to Parliament. They've just been published by the Australian Electoral Commission to help us make up our minds. Today we're bringing in our Indigenous Affairs Editor, Paige Taylor, to break down the yes and no arguments line by line and help us unpack what's being said and why. We'll start with yes. The yes campaign's ads are pure emotion. Australia's constitution is 122 years old and still doesn't recognise Indigenous Australians. This year, Australians have a chance to fix that with a referendum to give Indigenous Australians a real say in their future. But like all big proposals for change, the onus is on the yes side to prove why this reform is necessary. All the no camp has to do is sow doubt. The Yes Camp has to persuade people who don't know much about this topic or who've never given constitutional structures much thought. Changing the constitution is hard. Most referenda don't succeed. To create the voice, more than 50% of all voters and 50% of all states and territories must vote yes. Here's some more from the Yes pamphlet. 
page is going to decode it as we go along. It starts with a vibe. Voting yes is about recognising Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in our constitution and paying respect to 65,000 years of culture and tradition. And then gets practical. Listening to advice from Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people about matters that affect their lives so governments make better decisions. Making practical progress in Indigenous health, education, employment and housing so people have a better life. I think it's a pivot the government has known for a little while that it needed to make. I remember listening to Linda Burney at the Barunga Festival over a month ago and I've noticed her rhetoric is becoming sharper and sharper on that point. Why is the voice needed? And the simple answer is because the gap isn't closing fast enough. I suspect they may have some polling showing them that they need to do that. Or perhaps it's simply the responses they're getting from Australians when they do speak about the practical benefits of a voice. There are big challenges facing Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. A life expectancy eight years shorter than non-Indigenous Australians. Worse rates of disease and infant mortality. A suicide rate twice as high. Fewer opportunities for education and training. Clearly, the current approach isn't working. It's negative, but it's the why. And I think they had to go there quickly because people are wondering what is it about this advisory body that's so essential? Why do we need it? And so I think that it was incumbent upon them to explain what it is that they want this advisory body to tackle. The voice is about advice. When governments listen to people about issues that affect them, they make better decisions get better results, deliver better value for money. They want us to understand that it is just advice, but it has power as well because of the examples they give us later on in the pamphlet about when advice was good, when it was listened to, what the difference was. The Yes campaign has included some examples where Indigenous decision-making has worked in health, land management and education. Families and community leaders have been involved in every step of the new Dupa Mabaka school in Arnhem Land, from lesson planning to uniforms and lunches. Genuine partnership has driven strong school attendance rates and better results. Paige, this is a nice story, but it's light on detail. What do you think of its inclusion? It must be difficult for both sides, actually, to be able to have to distill everything down into 2,000 words or less. And Perhaps people will be left wondering, well, yeah, what did they do? It is a fascinating story, though. One of the things I think the Yes pamphlet doesn't do is it doesn't explain how rare those examples are. I think there are some people inside the Yes camp who worry about these examples because they are concerned that people will read it and go, well, there you go, you don't need a voice. What a lot of the Yes campaigners want to convey, and it's not an easy point to make, but there is no architecture or easy way to funnel advice to the people who need to hear it. And so stories like Dupamar Barker are breakthrough stories. These things are not replicated across the board. And that is the point that the Yes campaign is trying to make when they say the status quo is not working. The Yes campaign has been clear they don't want to use celebrity advocates. 
perhaps learning the lessons of climate change activists in recent years who stumbled when using actors, creating a sense of elitism. But the Yes pamphlet does include words from famous First Nations Australians, tennis icon Yvonne Goolagong-Corley, AFL great Eddie Betts, and retired NRL star Jonathan Thurston. Paige, they've gone with athletes rather than actors. What do you think about that? I thought that the choice of Yvonne Goolagong-Corley was possibly strategic because we know that Ash Barty supports The Voice too, but perhaps the pamphlet is trying to appeal to an older audience who grew up with Yvonne Goolagong-Corley or perhaps knows her even better than they may know Ash Barty. The choice of athletes is clever because in many ways they're loved by people on all sides of politics. I thought it was probably the clearest summary of the Yes case that I had read. I thought it was better than some of the politicians' speeches I've heard. I thought the use of dot points was pretty good because some of that information's on the internet already, but it takes a bit of looking for. I thought it was sparse in some ways, but quite cleverly structured. Coming up, the no case and what it means. Hey, I'm Felicity Harley and I host Healthy-ish, where we chat to experts, influencers and people in the know from around the globe to arm you with the knowledge to make healthier decisions for your mind, body and soul. I think if we're going to be focusing on health, like sleep is probably the biggest component oh, of that. I, I think sleep is the cornerstone. Like choose the harder option because I've never woken up and gone, I regret that run that I went at 4am. I've never done that. Search for Healthy-ish and Extra Healthy-ish wherever you get your podcasts. The pamphlet issued by the No campaign is roughly half as long as the one produced by the Yes camp. It lays out 10 reasons to vote no, covering four key themes. They say enshrining an Indigenous voice to Parliament in our constitution is risky, unknown, divisive and permanent. I'll be voting no, because this will not unite us, this will divide us. The No pamphlet points out changing the constitution is rare and permanent. Those four points at the beginning hit really hard, risky, unknown, divisive, permanent. This actually sounds scary, which I think is the point. They're playing into Australians' sense of responsibility, that if we vote yes and it doesn't work out, it's on all of us. Australia hasn't changed its constitution since 1977. This would be the biggest change to our democracy in Australia's history. The voice has not been road tested. There is no comparable constitutional body like this anywhere in the world. What they're trying to convey is a sense that this is going to lead to a lot of litigation, legal fights over the scope of the voice, how compelling its advice will be. And that's something Ian Callanan alludes to in his quote. Of course, the Yes Camp has a former Chief Justice saying exactly the opposite. Robert French is quoted in the Yes pamphlet speaking very positively about The Voice. He sees it as high reward, low risk. Those opposed to The Voice were quick to point out the lack of detail around how it'll function if the referendum is successful. 
Here's opposition leader Peter Dutton. I'm speaking on behalf of millions of Australians who are asking the reasonable questions. How would people be voted onto The Voice? How would regional areas be represented? The government has asked Australians to have faith that the pieces will fall into place. But Voice opponents say that's too big a gamble. We don't know how it will work. We don't know who will be on it. But we do know it will permanently divide us as Australians. Australians should have details before the vote, not after. It's the most effective thing they have in their arsenal because it allows the no camp to tell Australians, well, look at this, politicians want you to trust them. And that, of course, is going to get voters' hackles up. They don't trust politicians a lot of the time. What the yes case is trying to do is explain the logic of not having a fully formed model before you go to a referendum. There are important reasons for that. We've heard that if a model was fully formed before the referendum, it would de facto entrench that model because that's what people would have in their minds at the voting booth. And then is that going to make it difficult to change later? We all know that the model for The Voice is probably going to have to change over time, maybe before too long. We don't know how much additional funding would be allocated to this voice. What they may cheekily be trying to suggest is that it's an open checkbook when we know that the voice won't have any program delivery functions like ATSIC did. In that sense, it's not going to be as expensive a prospect, but I suspect strategically there are reasons to put that in there because it plants a question in people's minds, well, is this going to blow out? The No Camp says the voice's scope is also unclear. The voice model isn't just to the parliament. It goes much further to all areas of executive government. Decisions in relation to the economy, national security, infrastructure, health, education and more would be within its scope. The pamphlet raises the possibility that the voice could be exploited to change everything. Already many activists are campaigning to abolish Australia Day, change our flag and other institutions and symbols important to Australians. I did get that sense. But when we listen to the Uluru architects like Megan Davis and Pat Anderson, they're not interested in public holidays. They're talking about the key issues that are in the pamphlet. There is a group of Australians who care deeply about the sanctity of Australia Day. And so perhaps that's why that's in there. So how could something designed to unite us and make things better possibly be divisive? It creates different classes of citizenship through an unknown body that has the full force of the constitution behind it. This goes against a key principle of our democratic system, that all Australians are equal before the law. The former Chief Justice of the High Court says this is not about division. He can't see any division except that there's an argument about it. He says we have a gaping hole in our constitution and that's what the voice is going to address. And it is quite frightening when you hear this forceful argument that the voice will divide us. That does, however, suggest that we are currently united. I really like to think about us when we're united. That moment in 2000 when Cathy Freeman won the 400 metres. I just don't think I've been so proud to be Australian and 
I felt connected to everyone, including the Indigenous community. But I, I don't think those moments are a sign that there are no problems in this country. I think the division is very plain to see if you read the Closing the Gap report. And you can see that people living in remote and very remote parts of Australia are living really different lives. The idea that the voice won't actually help Indigenous Australians in a practical, measurable way is central to the No Camps argument. More bureaucracy is not the answer. A centralised voice risks overlooking the needs of regional and remote communities. What's needed is action. I'm sure we've all seen those social media posts explaining that the voice is not necessary because the National Indigenous Australian Agency already exists and that is already a voice. But the history of failure there since 1967 is pretty well documented. They want to listen, but it's actually very difficult for them to listen because they don't have, they say, a structure and an easy way to get messages from the ground to the people making the decisions. Others might be willing to consider a less risky voice option, but the government has not given you this choice. It's not entirely clear to me what that is, but it it seems to feed into the theme of the pamphlet, which is that this is an extreme idea. I thought it started strongly with those four points, and I thought its use of Indigenous voices was really clever because they've obviously been listening when the Albanese government says what Australians want to know is that Indigenous people support this. I think that was probably its greatest strength. I did think that there were some contradictions in there. How can the No campaign say the voice won't make any difference when in the same pamphlet they say we don't know what it's going to be? I feel like it is the beginning of a proper debate now that we have the case for yes and no down in writing. I believe we can now have a conversation about everything that was raised there. Paige Taylor is the Australian's Indigenous Affairs correspondent. A prominent Yes campaigner, Professor Greg Craven, says he's beside himself with rage that he's been quoted in the No Campaign's pamphlet. He says he'll now double down on his support for The Voice. You can read that story right now at theaustralian.com.au. I'm Sarah Lamarquin, Editor-in-Chief of Stella and host of our podcast called Something to Talk About. Every weekend we publish a new episode where you'll hear compelling personalities, strong opinions and thought-provoking conversations. I wanted to be able to do it in my time when I was ready and speak my truth when I was ready. The topic of when do I become a mum, that is in my mind 24-7. Search for Something to Talk About wherever you listen to your podcasts.